ever been inside of your studio, air quotes. <laughs> oh my god. But it is, it's actually kind of nice in here. It reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> like, sh- we should be telling ghost stories or secrets. Like, who do you like at school? <laughs> <laughs> that is the whole energy of this whole podcast. It's like, let's just watch movies we liked when we were kids and try to escape the general horror of being an adult. back to Kicking and Streaming, where what happens in Vegas has real consequences. I'm Carrie. I'm not Ross. And today we're talking about the 2009 adventure comedy film, The Hangover. The Hangover. Who hasn't experienced a day like this? (laughs) Maybe not exactly like this. No, no, no. Not nearly as much crime involved. Maybe the level of hangover, but... Depends what school you went to. Guys, if you can't tell, I've got somebody different here with me this week. Hi, I'm Gavin, the editing bay himself. <laughs> You've probably heard of me. Yeah, no, guys, Gavin's my boyfriend. We live together. He's usually around when I'm watching these movies and taking notes. He's usually got some thoughts. Guys, Roz is not feeling well. He's under the weather. And uh, Gavin has kindly offered to step up so he can take lots of time to recuperate so he can be back with us as soon as possible. Ross, we're thinking of you, buddy, and we're eagerly waiting your return because I don't know if I can keep this up. (laughs) I've been in here a total of five minutes, and I'm already feeling like I'm going to (laughs) explode. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's it with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Does that sound interesting coming out of me instead of Ross? <laughs> Sounds different, I bet. It's just different. He we he kind of does it the same way every time. So it's like it, it's like hearing the NBC tone played backwards. Oh, so cursed. <laughs> it's like summons a demon of some kind. No, no, no. All right, okay. You want to talk about this stupid movie? This ridiculous movie that launched so many careers. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have very different things to say about this. Yes, we are. I can already tell. Uh-huh. Boys and their bachelor parties, it's gross. It is gross. I just wish your friends were as mature as you. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Paging Dr. Douchebag. This is Vegas. To a night we'll never forget. What happened last night? Am I missing a tooth? Oh. <laughs> Whose baby is that? Check its collar or something. I looked everywhere. Nobody's seen Doug. I don't think I've ever been this hungover. What's on your arm? You were in the hospital last night. <laughs> <laughs> the only important thing now is that we find Doug. Where's your car, officers? Oh, God. I think it was just you guys and one other guy. Was he okay? He was fine. Just whacked out of his mind. <laughs> 
So we were messed up. Is there anything you can tell us about what may have happened last night? Congratulations, dude. You got married. She is wearing my grandmother's Holocaust ring. I didn't know they give out rings at the Holocaust. These gentlemen volunteered to demonstrate how a stun gun is used to subdue a suspect. qualified to be taking care of that baby. Oh my god. We're getting married in five hours. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. What is going on? Alright, so most of us have probably had that one night in our young lives. At least one. Maybe you were out with your buds did some drinking, maybe did some other things, and by the next morning, you had no idea how you got from A to B. Absolutely. It's happened not too many times, thankfully to me, but (laughs) the things that I, the times that I did do it were absolutely not memorable at all because (laughs) I'd forgotten it all. This is the whole premise of The Hangover. We have a bachelor party in Las Vegas that gets so out of hand so fast, I don't even know how we're going to even begin to unpack all of this. Especially because when it came out, you and I were still, what, 16 and 17 at the time? Yeah, we were young people. So we had no context as to, like, how real this kind of is. So, directed by Todd Phillips, who has a very particular type of movie he likes to make. Like, Allow me to name a few. Old School, Starsky and Hutch, Due Date, War Dogs. What I'd like to call a genre of a bro film. <laughs> yes, no, you're not wrong, it's sir. It's a movie you can go see with your bros and then try your best to not recreate it on your way home. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So, you guys might have guessed it, but we have names. Oh, absolutely. I get to do We Have Names this week, so this is going to be fun. Okay, just like we rehearsed. <laughs> and action! First of all, um, guys, the People Magazine's 2011 Sexiest Man Alive. Can I say it, please? (laughs) Go ahead. Bradley Cooper! Guys, Bradley Cooper is here. Can somebody turn on the air conditioner? Click. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, when we would have this conversation, Ross would be sitting across from me, not Mm -hmm. you. So my the notes, I didn't really do that with that in mind. So I'm sorry that I said that out oh, loud. Oh no, I'm I'm I don't worry. I'm I'm keeping notes. <laughs> All the men on this podcast that I've just been drooling over. Yeah, funnier and hotter than me, most of them. But uh, <laughs> I'll I'll try to not take it too personally. <laughs> You're so much funnier and hotter. Thank you. <laughs> Bradley Cooper was in Wet Hot American Summer. He was with us before on Valentine's Day. He was in the Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, oh and guys, he was in A Star Is Born. Uh, that movie really just hit me in the emotional solar plexus. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> she's so talented and everybody knows it now. <laughs> and so is he, apparently. Oh, no, yeah, he came, that came out of left field. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? Bradley, where did you even come from, sir? This movie really skyrocketed his career, as did everyone in this movie, really. One last thing you might know Bradley Cooper from, he is the voice 
of Rocket Raccoon in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. You know what, Gav? I forgot all about that. I did too until I looked this up and I realized... You know what? He is exactly the type of voice for that character. Exactly! He sounds like an incredibly hot man trapped in a raccoon's body. Aren't we all? (laughs) I certainly am. (laughs) All right, now we have Ed Helms. You are very likely going to be familiar with his work on The Office as Andy Bernard. Andy has always been one of my least favorite characters. Isn't he the one who had the anger problem and punched a hole in the wall? Yes! uh... Uh He did them dirty there at the end when he was pretty much like the anchor character. And he was like, bye guys, I'm going to go film Hangover 3. Ta-ta! absolutely did that. (laughs) But the thing is, I don't think even he expected this to turn into a trilogy, which it really did not need to be. No, no, amen, amen to that. Um, Moving on, we have Zach Galifianakis. Whose last name, if you put a number on the end of it, would sound like a planet from Star Wars. (laughs) Galifianakis 9? Yes. (laughs) The hottie on Galifianakis 9. (laughs) All right, Zach Galifianakis, he was in Due Date, which, again, also a Todd Phillips movie. Like, it just, it was bad. I'm sorry. He was in Dinner for Schmucks. Did you ever see that movie? I believe I remember hearing about it, (laughs) seeing the previews for it, and then realizing, this probably isn't my brand of comedy. (laughs) Is it because you're afraid you're one of the schmucks? Oh, absolutely one of the schmucks. (laughs) Like, if I could fit it in my name and have it sound natural, I'd do it, but I can't. You might also know him from his little show on the internet, Between Two Ferns. <laughs> I forgot about that. He just, he interviews people, like, from everywhere. Hillary Clinton was oh, on Between yes. Two Ferns. Yes, oh my ferns. gosh, I remember that. Oh my god. Oh, what a title. Um, we have Justin Barth. He's the one playing Doug, the one who actually gets lost. So, like, I don't know him from anything else besides this. He gets both lost both in the plot of this movie and in my memory because he's not <laughs> very involved in this film, really. I know he's in the National Treasure movies. He's in Failure to Launch. He but is? He is. I don't remember who what... Who is he in the National Treasure movies? Riley Pooley. <gasps> is he, like, their computer guy or something like that? I can't remember. I don't... Guess we have to watch that movie I... Oh, my God. You guys haven't had Nick Cage on this podcast, and that's just... There's a reason for that. It's podcast gold, dang it! (laughs) We also have Heather Graham. She's the only, like, real female character in this movie, and that's not saying much, considering she's basically a plot point. Remember, bro movie. Like, all the women are just props in this story about men behaving badly. Again, bro movie. It's just, doesn't it, doesn't it annoy you? Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The, the the male energy in this movie is a little bit much. We have Ken Jeong with us today. That's Dr. Ken Jeong to you. <laughs> you're right, you're right. He is an actor as well as a licensed physician. He's a licensed physician and he has so much clout in Hollywood these days. <laughs> he is the best thing about The Masked Singer and all those <laughs> spinoff shows. His guesses are so out there. But let's not forget my favorite role of his, Chang on Community. Oh, yes. I am a Spanish genius. In Espanol, my nickname is El Tigre Chino. Because my knowledge will bite her face off. He was in Knocked Up. He was in Crazy Rich Asians, which I've yet to see. I really want to see that. I do, too. It's, I hear it's really, really good. We've also got some great supporting roles. We have Rachel Harris, Mike Epps, Rob Riggle, Cleo King, Brian Callen, Matt Walsh. Some of their performances are better than the main cast. I'm sorry. Like, they're funnier. 
all right, we got to talk about this. We, we, we cannot be here forever, and there's so much to talk about. Well, let's hit the road. <laughs> Welcome to White Men Acting Dumb Part 2 <laughs> in this month's selection. We got a lot of the same crap as we did last week. We have white men behaving badly, getting railroaded by the consequences of their entitled actions, all laced with latent racism and homophobia that we came to expect from Hollywood in the early aughts. Check, check, and check. (laughs) The opening to this movie is great. We open on the day of the wedding that is supposed to take place after this bachelor party. I love weddings. (laughs) This movie starts in that classic way. In media res. <laughs> yes, absolutely. In media res. I took a film course in college, so I can say those things. <laughs> I can talk about those fancy terms. Oh, God, please. This is the day that Tracy is supposed to be marrying Doug. Everyone's getting ready. Caterers are bustling around. The only problem is the groom and his party are nowhere to be found. She cannot get any of the groomsmen or her groom on the phone. Your sister recently got married. Uh Uh-huh. You've been in the thick of the wedding day madness. Honestly, this movie felt super familiar. (laughs) I can imagine your sister just losing her mind if y'all did not show up on time. She would have burned us at the stake. (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly. And we would have deserved it. Let's let's be honest. Everything that happens to the men in this movie, they absolutely deserve. Oh no, yeah, for real. Tracy finally gets hold of Bradley Cooper. His name is Phil, and he's kind of the I don't know what you would call him. You can't call him the brains, and you can't call him the leader. You he's know, he's the face. He's the fa- yeah. You're you're not you're not unwrong. He's the chin. He's the chin. You're right. You're mm-hmm. right. Every right. group needs one. Things got out of control, and. uh... We lost Doug. What? We can't find Doug. What are you saying, Phil? We're getting married in five hours. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. We fucked up. (laughs) Oh my god! Do you- I would- I would peel your face off. Oh no. She is very chill throughout the movie, despite the numerous calls she gets. I I feel for Tracy in this movie. I wish she were more than just a plot point. Their love is at stake, but like... She, we never see her hardly ever. Yeah, but if you think about it, that's not what we came to this movie to see. We see, we came to this movie to see three adult men hurt themselves. <laughs> so we jump back in time to where this all started. Two days earlier. We're at a tux fitting with Doug, the groom, Justin Barth, and his future brother-in-law, Alan, played by Zach Galifianakis. Whoa, watch it, pervert! It's okay, Alan. He's just doing your end scene. It's getting very close to my shaft. From the jump, we can kind of tell that Alan is a little socially inept. He's getting very close to my shaft. <laughs> oh my god. I love that line. I I lost it immediately and I was like, oh yeah, this is why he's famous. He's just a little odd. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you relate in any way? Uh, well, I, what do you mean by that? <laughs> what could you possibly mean by that? You know what I mean by that. I'm not weird. I'm a theater kid. <laughs> I feel like this movie tries to make you think that Alan is weirder than he actually is. Yeah, I can really kind of, you know, feel him in this moment because I have also been the brother of the bride. And I didn't even think about that. You didn't know your brother-in-law's groomsmen before you showed up to the wedding together. No, I didn't, but very good, very good group of guys. Yeah. So I feel for him in this moment when he's very nervous about going on this surprise trip to Vegas. I want you to know, Doug, I'm a still trap. Whatever happens tonight... I will never, ever, ever speak a word of it. Okay. 
Hey, I got it. Thank you. I don't think that. Seriously, I don't care what happens. I don't care if we kill someone. What? You heard me. Holy there shit! There are so many lines that he says in this movie <laughs> that they just kind of gloss over. Like, if you're lucky, you've got that one friend who has a very disquieting fierceness to their love for you. Like, I would kill a man for you and go to jail for life. I don't give a shit. I would die for you. Oh, now we have to talk about Sid. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about Alan and Tracy's father. This is Jeffrey Tambor. He's obviously a walking, wealthy phallus. Remember, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Ah. <laughs> Except for herpes. That shit will come back with you. Knowing that the guys are headed to Vegas for the bachelor party, Sid decides he's going to lend Doug his vintage Mercedes-Benz. I looked up the car, uh, and it is a 1965 Mercedes-Benz 220 SE. And you'll be interested to know that it recently went up on auction, that car that they used in the movie. Oh, no! I don't know how much it sold for. Let me, let me look that up real quick. It was on sale on eBay, of all places. <laughs> eBay? What? It had a buy-it-now price of $95,000. Is that all? You'd think it would be a little more. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, but it feels <laughs> like it would be a little, bit, a little bit more. This is one of those movies where the car is practically a character, kind of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. While also being like the Chekhov's gun of the movie. It's like, yeah. This is a pretty car in a comedy movie. <laughs> it is going to be destroyed by the end of it. Okay, it's time to talk about our other two groomsmen. Next, we have Phil, remember from the beginning on the phone? Played by Bradley Cooper. He is a high school teacher, which barf, not because of teachers, but because I don't want this guy anywhere near children. Well, hold on, hold on. I still need some of your permission slips and $90 for the field trip to the Griffith Observatory next weekend. Well, pay now or forever regret missing out on the experience of a lifetime, guys. Whoa, Max, what gifts? What, no planetarium? My mom won't give me the money. I'm grounded. Well, uh, how much you got on you? I don't know, like, uh, 20 bucks? Oh, right, well, give me the 20, and, uh, I'll cover the rest. He seems like at the, he's trying to be the cool teacher that the kids respect. <laughs> and they give him money oh, for yes! reasons. <laughs> he's supposed to be collecting money for, like, a field trip they're going on. And as soon as all the kids are out of the room, he's pocketing the money to take with him to Vegas. Ah, but we'll just gloss over that. What the hell? And we have Stu. <laughs> Stu is a dentist. He's kind of a dork. A dorkable, if you will. You might call him the broken man archetype, which is definitely a concept that was written by a man for this movie, <laughs> you can tell. The pussy whip archetype. Exactly. He lives with his nightmare of a girlfriend named Melissa. This is Rachel Harris. Melissa? She's very controlling and demanding, and, like, she's always demanding that he call her, like, at certain times, always know where he is, and, like, she's always putting him down. It's really gross. I know. And make sure to call me right when you get to the hotel, not like that conference in Phoenix. I had to wait two hours for you to call me. Yeah, I was the keynote speaker. I was late to the podium. Still? Yeah, you're totally right. I'm sorry. I think about that archetype and that style of thing, and it makes me kind of feel gross, but the concept itself and how it's portrayed is also equally gross, so... <laughs> you're at a loss. Is he like, it's weird for it being in the movie, but I also feel bad for him, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's real. It's real. It, it, there are some relationships that are actually like this, unfortunately. Melissa also cheats on him. With a bartender on a cruise ship. 
Or is it a bellhop? I don't know, man. It depends on what bit we're doing. That's the running joke, is that every time someone brings it up, somebody says something different. A sailor, a bellhop, a massage therapist. Like it's And it's like, no, it was a bartender. All things that could reasonably be on a cruise ship, though. <laughs> and the bottom line is, that doesn't bother Stu very much. Or at least he acts like it doesn't bother him. You might say his relationship is like pulling teeth. <laughs> oh, you're fired! If you think that Carrie gets fired on the show, I'm gonna get, what's the equivalent? Like, expelled? <laughs> banished? I'm gonna banish you from the basement. <laughs> exiled? She's so intense that Stu has to lie to her about where they're going for this guy's weekend. They say they're going to a vineyard for like a, a wine tasting weekend. It's in Napa Valley, like That's... in Northern Cali. Which sounds not bad, actually. I, that actually does sound like, like a fun vacation. Yes, it does. I knew you were going to say that. What? I actually wrote, Gavin would so be down for this. He would absolutely be down for this. I'm just saying, if it's Instagrammable material, it's Instagrammable material. <laughs> and vineyards are pretty. Like, if we were going to get married, I can honestly say I don't give a damn what you do about your bachelor party. Like, if you're going to hire an exotic dancer, that's fine. I would just like to help you pick her out. <laughs> You know it's just going to be us playing Dungeons and Dragons for like six hours. A stripper will be there, but she's going to be dressed as like a warrior or a mage or something. And she's going to have a rolled character. Yes. And yes. she's going to be doing funny voices. Oh, yeah. And then you pay her handsomely for her time at the end of the night. In gold, in character. I love it. I love it. So we're on the road to Vegas, and Phil couldn't wait five minutes before opening a dose a key in the back seat, a beer, and telling Doug about how much his life is getting ready to suck. Oh, whatever. Look, I left my wife and kid at home so I can go with you guys to Vegas. You know how difficult that was? It's really sweet, Phil. Yeah. Dude, I was being sarcastic. I fucking hate my life. I may never go back. I might just stay in Vegas. Here we go. You know what, Doug? You should enjoy yourself because come Sunday, you're going to start dying. Just a little bit. Every day. Yeah. All right. If you watch these comedies, if you believe these comedies that like came out between 1980 and 2015, there's nothing fun or redeeming about heteronormative marriage. Oh, you're going to get a ball and chain. This is a life sentence. Like, have you ever seen that meme of the Catholic wedding with the groom on his knees and he has help me written on the soles of yes. his shoes? Yes, I have. Like, guys, just don't get married. <laughs> like, if it's that big a deal, don't get married. At the very least, these types of movies usually end with them learning a lesson about that exact same thing. If you have a very forgiving definition of what a lesson is. Well, yeah, because especially because they do it two more times. <laughs> God, I can't believe they made two more of these. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I spit that on a necklace. The montage of them rolling into Vegas set to that great Kanye track back when Kanye wasn't annoying in concept. Was he ever not annoying in concept? <laughs> yes, yes. He is kind of a musical genius. It's very inf infuriating. Shoop diddy whoop, <laughs> notwithstanding. We are checking into Caesar's Palace, baby. Caesar's Palace. Hi, welcome to Caesar's. Hi. Hello. Checking in. Yes. Yeah, we have a reservation under Dr. Price. Okay, let me look that up for you. Dr. Price? <clears throat> Stu, you're a dentist. Hey, don't try and get fancy. It's not fancy if it's true. He's a dentist. Don't get too excited. I just hate Phil. He's always digging on his buds for no reason. Again, there's always one of those in every group. Another reason to hate Phil? He upgrades them all to a ridiculously priced villa instead of the two suites they were going to split because they're in Vegas, baby! 
that's how they make all of their money. People and, making that exact decision. <laughs> and because Stu is Mr. Moneybags, it's got to go on his credit card. And you know Melissa checks the bank statements. So that's mistake number one. Yikes. <laughs> Double yikes. Dare I say, a, even a triple yikes. <laughs> this whole series is a triple yikes. Yeah. This villa is fucking sweet, though. Can we talk about this villa for a thousand years, please? Yes, please. Talk about the lap of luxury. Oh, my God. Like, I think the concierge said that this is, like, 4200 a night. A night! A night! So just to sleep here, it's going to cost close to ten grand. Just to sleep for two days in this suite. Like, I cannot even fathom that. There's a full bar, three bedrooms. It's out of this world. There's marble floors, black leather couches. There's, like, a pool in the middle of the room. They have Greek-style statues all over the place. All kinds of gold trim. There's busts everywhere. A, a f- grand piano. A grand piano? You're right, I forgot about the piano! They're getting dressed to hit the town, and Stu decides to share some big news with Doug and Phil. He's got a ring on him to propose to Melissa at Doug's wedding. You know who's got a real big problem with this? Phil. That's a beautiful ring. Yeah, it's my grandmother. She made it all the way through the Holocaust with that thing. It's legit. I don't get it. Wait, have you not listened to anything I've ever said? Phil, we've been dating for three years. It's time. This is how it works. A, that is bullshit. And B, she is a complete bitch. Hey, Phil is a prick, but I agree with him on this front. Don't marry her. No. She is a piece of trash, and she makes you feel awful about yourself. Not only as, like, a man, but as a human being. That, that's the only way to accurately describe her. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about her too much because that would make me sad. <laughs> okay, all right. You don't, you don't want the bad energy? No! Speaking of Phil and his bad decisions, he brings them all up to the roof. The roof of Caesar's palace, where they're not supposed to be. To have a little toast before the night begins. I like how they're all wearing fancy suits and stuff, and... Alan is wearing a graphic tee with a, <laughs> with, a, with a tiny purse-like satchel, as well as these pure white pants. Another thing that will probably be destroyed by the end of this movie. I love the satchel. I absolutely love the satchel. Embrace the power of the man bag. Oh, yeah. Alan pours them all shots, and they raise a glass to a night of debauchery. And then Alan brings out the list of prepared remarks. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know how you are with this kind of humor. Especially because I'm very much that guy. I, I, <laughs> I connect with Alan on a real level because I also would, would write a speech or something like that. Like expressing your feelings. Expressing my feelings and, and my love of being here and feeling welcomed. And six months ago, when Doug introduced me to you guys, I thought, wait a second, could it be? And now I know for sure I just added two more guys to my wolf pack. All right. Four of us wolves running around the desert together in Las Vegas looking for strippers and cocaine. He just goes on and on, taking way too long to say that he feels he belongs to an actual wolf pack now. It really is sweet until it's not. Because he takes out a knife and starts cutting his palm. Oh, no. So they can become blood brothers. Blood brothers. <laughs> They're swearing an oath, apparently. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, cool. oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh. What is that? Blood brothers. God. Don't. Damn it. Why did you? Here. Alan. No. No, I'm not Alan. doing that. 
Go ahead, Stuart. Make him stop. See, that's the only reason that Alan makes me nervous. Like, I don't mind that he's odd. I mind that he can go from zero to a million in, like, that. Just <laughs> like that. <laughs> Phil pours all of them another Jaeger shot and starts giving them the, quote, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas talk, basically saying, no matter how depraved we behave this evening, we're all going to selectively choose to never speak of it again. Well, unfortunately, they're going to be forced to speak of it again. <laughs> they are going to be struck down by the wrath of Dionysus himself. <laughs> We get this time-lapse shot of the skyline, of the Las Vegas skyline, and it goes into the next morning, and we cut to the inside of the villa, and there is chaos everywhere. This is a visual gag to its utmost, so I have taken the liberty of taking notes of every kind of weird thing that is, that is awry and, and wrong. To start out, we have... An inflatable sex doll and an inflatable pig floating in the bathtub that is currently overflowing with bubble bath. I hope that that pig did not suffer the same fate as the doll. A statue has been knocked over with its head cracked, decapitated. An apple has been speared to a pedestal with a sword next to a head from what I assume is another decapitated statue. There is a monitor that has been smashed and it is hanging from the wall. I think there are multiple broken monitors in this room. There is a chair that is smoldering for no reason. It has very clearly been immolated recently <laughs> and is still smoking. There's a chicken wandering around, just loose. A live chicken. Man, you guys got fucked up. A stool has been suspended from the ceiling by bed sheets. Oh, the piano bench that is like suspended yes. from the ceiling. Yes, like what happened there? Whoever dressed this set did a really good job. Finally, there is a pair of tiny, dainty female feet that just scoot their way out the front door. I almost miss that every time. Like those that that pair of heels just walking out of frame. I'm like, who the who the hell was that? Hello, ma'am. Oh, it's we're going to find out. <laughs> Stu and Phil both come to on the floor. Alan eventually crawls out from behind the bar. He's Winnie the Poohing it. Mm -hmm. He's still wearing his graphic tee, but he doesn't have any underwear on. Alan goes to use the bathroom, and he's doing his business, and a whole-ass tiger is in the bathroom. Slow pan to the right. <laughs> still peeing onto the floor at this point. <laughs> no seen a tiger. <gasps> <gasps> They shut the tiger in the bathroom and they sit down to compare notes about what they remember from the night before. Stu is missing a fucking tooth. Well, luckily he's a dentist, so he might be able to do something about that in the future. But not now. No, my God. He just sits down and like he's like, I am missing a tooth. You know that's not fake. Really? No. Ed Helms, like, I don't think that canine of his ever grew in. So he's always worn a fake one. Really? Yeah, that's 100% real. Oh my gosh, that's... Okay, wow. <laughs> I did not know that. Their memories are completely wiped at this point, and they are forced to check their pockets for evidence of what they could have possibly done last night. Yeah, because not only can they not remember what they did last night, they can't find Doug. A tooth is not the only thing that is missing from this picture. They cannot find Doug! Doug! Where's Doug? <laughs> And, like, so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. They're like, well, maybe Doug's just, like, at the spa or something. We'll catch up with him later. And then... What the fuck is that? There is a baby in the closet! 
Whose fucking baby is that? Alan, are you sure you didn't see anyone else in the suite? Yeah, I checked all the rooms. No one's here. Check its collar or something. How? What? How? How <laughs> on earth? Why? Oh, so many questions. <laughs> So many questions yet to be answered. So they've got to go look for Doug, but they can't leave the baby behind with a tiger in the trashed hotel room. So now the baby is strapped to Alan's chest in like a baby Bjorn or whatever those are called. And the slow-mo of them walking down the hallway like badasses, but broken and bruised and babied. I love that lady gets into the elevator with them and she's like, oh, how cute. What's his name? Ben. Carlos. Carlos? From here on out, he is dubbed Carlos. <laughs> they don't know his name. They don't know where he came from or if his mother will be returning. Carlos, welcome to the team. <laughs> I love watching scenes with Carlos in them because they use like three different sets of twins. And so if you're paying enough attention in one scene, it could be like one baby in one shot and then a completely different baby in the second shot. Really? Like, yeah, no, it's like musical babies. They needed to spread out the trauma of this movie on these babies. <laughs> I know, I know. They look everywhere for Doug, but can't find him. And like you said, they start turning out their pockets so they can get clues as to where they were the night before. They have receipts for places they've been, which oddly enough have like their times on it. I don't, I don't look at my receipts all that often, but do they normally have like time of purchase on it? Do you have any idea how many times a receipt has gotten somebody off the hook for murder? Fair point. <laughs> like seriously, they've got the timestamp on it. You can prove you were in a certain place at a certain time. I have an alibi. <laughs> it's this Wendy's receipt. Yes, Wendy, my eternal companion. Sea salt fries, bitches. Stu's got a receipt from a different hotel, the Bellagio, with like an $800 tab. Ah, uh, yikes. Phil is wearing a hospital bracelet because they were in the ER last night. And that seems like a logical place for them to start their journey. <laughs> They're going to follow up on that, but they need to go get the car, right? They need to go get the Benz back from the valet. And so, guys, they hand the valet the ticket, and the valet, <laughs> the valet goes to get the car. And when, they, when the valet comes back, he returns with a police car. And he says, here you go, officers. <laughs> okay. Everybody at cool. Everybody at cool. Nobody do anything. In the car. This is our car. This is our car. Oh, but right before this, you can. Uh, they notice that there is like construction going on. Something's clearly happened last night. And they look up, and a mattress has been impaled on a statue outside the front. Is that the mattress from Doug's room? What the fuck? Hey, man, what, what's going on here? Some asshole threw his bed out the window last night. Oh, shit. Yeah. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Which, hey, it's Vegas. That stuff happens. Yeah, they were like, it was probably us. <laughs> it's impaled on the statue of Caesar, and the first thing that pops into my mind is, et tu, Metris! Stop that, private school! Never! <laughs> Never! So they go to the ER in the cop car, and the ER doc reports that Phil came in the night before with a concussion, some light bruising, and his blood work came back, and he has roofies in his system. Ooh, the plot thickens. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever seen SVU before. Rufalin is the date rape drug. And it causes, like, big gaps in the memory. You can't remember what happened the night before. And everybody's like, oh, my God, did we all get roofied? 
Yeah, how could someone have drugged all of us? Look, I wouldn't worry about it, guys. By now, this stuff's out of your system. You're gonna be fine. I have to go. Wait, wait, wait. Please, doctor. Is there anything else? Like, something we may have been talking about or someplace we were going? Actually, there was something. You guys kept talking about some wedding last night. The second lead the doc gives them is that when they came in, they were all talking about coming from a wedding at one of those little 24-hour places that they have in Las Vegas. Which, can you think of a worse way to make a lifelong decision like that? Nope, nope, not at all. <laughs> like, oh my god, like, we are drunk in Las Vegas, let's go get married. And oh my goodness, there's a 24-hour place, how lucky are we? Oh, perfect, happy day. <laughs> So they go to the best little chapel in Vegas. <laughs> They're still in the police car, by the way. This Russian chapel owner greets them like they are old fraternity brothers. <laughs> Look at these guys. What happened? You miss me. You miss Eddie. You want more from me? How are you, my friend? Look at this guy. You fucking crazy. What's going on, man? The owner is like looking at Stu like, you crazy motherfucker. I remember you, hey. <laughs> So we get out the wedding album. Stu got married in the chapel last night. Congratulations, Stu, you got married. This, this can't be happening. Oh, God. Look at that. Uh, uh. I'll tell you one thing, you look seriously happy here, man. Oh, that's it. My life is over. Stu, it's okay, look, shit happens. Come on, Alyssa's not gonna know anything about this. My first thought would be, who did I get married to? Well, he got married to a blonde stripper uh, slash escort named Jade. How do we know her name is Jade? Because they ordered this ridiculous package that comes with, like, personalized mugs, ball caps, and calendars. All things that I don't think any person would actually want at their <laughs> wedding. I was That was my next question for you. I was like, is that something you could even picture you and I doing? Getting a picture of ourselves in the shape of a heart and putting it on a mug. Putting it on a hat. You know, I'm going fishing. Let me put on our wedding hat. <laughs> it's how I'm always with you. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> so this is bad news. This is very bad news for Stu. He proceeds to freak out. And rightfully so. I want to blame it on them so bad, but it's not 100% their fault. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get there, but like, I just, ugh, this is all so stupid and did not have to happen. They can get an annulment for Stu, but they have to go find Jade first because he needs her signature too. And it'll also cost extra. <laughs> it's Vegas, baby. They get Jade's address from the owner and they get in the car to go find Jade. And these guys in an orange sports car pull in behind them and get out and start pointing guns at them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know firearms would be involved in this movie. God. Uh, and this is just great because this is also when Melissa has chosen to call. Hey, what the hell, man? What the fuck, Stu? Is that a baby? Why would there be a baby? We're at a winery. That's a, a goat. Where is he? I, I don't know. What are you talking about? So he's on the phone trying to pretend they're not having guns pointed at them. Are you having a good time at the vineyard? <laughs> Because that's where you are. These guys in black tank tops with big ass guns want to know where he is. Whoever he is. We don't know what they mean. Phil has to actually like back up and knock their car out of the way to get out of the parking lot. Yikes. They 
go to the apartment that Jade gave as her address. Jade also explains the presence of, quote, Carlos, the baby. He's Jade's baby. What's the baby's name again? The baby's name is actually Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. And that upsets Alan. (laughs) He wants him to be Carlos. He wants him to be Carlos so bad. (laughs) Meanwhile, Stuart is like slowly losing it more and more. I like how in the car ride there, he's like, that's a fake laugh, by the way. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I get it. He's McReady. He's absolutely McReady for how much this is going to mess up his life. Yeah, both financially and physically. And emotionally, I guess. When they show up at her apartment, Jade is, like, happy to see everybody. Like, again, all these people have memories of them. Good old memories from the night before. And they remember none of it. Oh, my God. What the fuck, man? You gotta hold it together. Holy shit. It's super hot. You should be proud of yourself. She man. is wearing my grandmother's ring. What? The ring I'm gonna give to Melissa. You remember my grandmother's Holocaust ring? Fuck. She's wearing it. Okay. I didn't know they give out rings at the Holocaust. She is wearing the ring he was going the to give. The Holocaust ring! <laughs> the ring he was gonna give to Melissa. She's got it on her finger. Here's the thing. I like Jade. I like Jade a lot. She's nice. She's very nice. She's a single mom. She's a sex worker. She's doing the damn thing. She's doing a good job, and she's living in Vegas. She's got an apartment in Vegas. It's unfortunate that she's tied up in this madness. She's got a cute little home, and like she seems like she's got a nice life, and literally these men just came in here and blew it up. She thinks poor Stu is going to support her and her baby because he told her he was a doctor, which is technically true. Technically. (laughs) Which is the best kind of true. Exactly. But it is misleading by its very phrasing. Like, I'm technically not short. (laughs) But you are shorter than average. (laughs) Let the illusion that the listeners have of me be that I'm six foot nine. (laughs) Six foot nine. And barely fit in this cubby hole of a recording booth. You're in here with your knees and your ears trying not to bump the table. Yes. I am truly massive. She tells them that she didn't see Doug after the wedding. She had to go back to work. And then when I got out, I headed over to the hotel with Tyler. And was Doug there then? I didn't see Doug because you guys were passed out. The room was a wreck. So I just curled up next to Stu. Uh-huh. Rare. Mm-hmm. Oh. Please, please, Here come the police. They break in. They're pointing guns. I love how he's just like, shut that baby up. Shut that baby up. (laughs) They arrest the guys and bring them down to the police station. Phil uses his one phone call to call Tracy, Doug's fiance, remember? Uh Uh-huh. And buy them some more time. Not to come clean and say, listen, we've messed up. We don't know where your fiance is. He tells her that they got comped for the suite for a whole nother night. And we're going to stay in spite of the fact that the wedding is tomorrow. I would tell you no. She is far too okay with everything that's going on. She's not like, uh, no, get back here now. (laughs) Hey, you know how I tell you women are afraid of being seen as bossy or abrasive. I guess she's with her friends so she doesn't want to make a scene at the pool. Yeah. While they're waiting in the lobby, I like how the day that they get pinched It's the day when a school field trip is happening and a bunch of these kids are being shown a tour of the police station. This kid comes up to Alan and takes his picture with his his flip phone and he just kicks it out of his hand. He's yeet! Gone! 
Officer Rob Riggle is here to give us some answers about the missing Mercedes. We've got some good news and we've got some bad news. The good news is we found your Mercedes. <laughs> That's great news. That's great. Yeah, it's over at Impound right now. We picked it up at uh, 5 a.m. this morning, parked in the middle of Las Vegas Boulevard. I can't get over how stupid mad I get at the idea that they were fucked up beyond all recognition and behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> a cop car at that! Like, they left the Mercedes in the middle of the street. Like, and they think it's funny. And it's something the movie doesn't want you to think too hard about because if you did, you'd realize that they're just a bunch of entitled men on vacation in Vegas where they think they can do whatever they want and they don't really care if they hurt anybody or not. That's kind of the M.O. of Vegas. That's why <laughs> that whole what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas thing is. So to get out of stealing a cop car, grand theft auto of a police vehicle, Phil blackmails these cops. No one wants to look bad. We got to get to a wedding, and you guys don't need people talking about how some obnoxious tourists borrowed your squad car last night. But look, the point is, I think we can work out a deal discreetly, of course, man. What do you say? And these cops take them up on their offer so they don't have to be held accountable. The cops have a great idea how they can pay their debt to society uh, by showing a group of kids how a stun gun can affect a person. They're going to be guinea pigs for a tasing demonstration. And they clearly do not know that's the reason they're there when they get in there because when the taser comes out, <laughs> they start freaking out. The noise that Ed Helms makes when, <laughs> when oh Rob Riggle sticks him in the neck. Now, there's two ways to use a stun gun. Up close and personal. Or, oh, fuck. you can shoot it from a distance. They all get tased. Phil gets it in the nuts, which I find extra satisfying. Alan takes it to the face, but not by the cop. The kid. <laughs> Remember the kid? The kid who he had kicked the phone out of his hand <laughs> walks up slowly to the front of the room. It's very, like, uh, high noon. Like what Very high noon. It's like the troll from the Lord of the Rings coming after Frodo. Just this imposing figure coming for revenge. He lines that that stun gun, which has a laser sight for some reason. Oh, man. And it slowly drifts up to Alan's face. And bam! Oh, my God. Taser prongs to the face. Normally, I'd have a bunch of shit to say about how cops don't get to tase people for fun, but it is fun watching it's them get tased. It's really funny. Oh, my God. It's really, really funny. Ugh. So they're waiting for the Benz at the impound lot, and this is where Alan admits that he's kind of starting to get worried about Doug. What if something happened to Doug, something bad? Oh, come on, you can't think like that. I mean, what if he's dead? I can't afford to lose anybody close to me again. It hurts too much. Alan, Doug is fine. Well, why hasn't he called? I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. Like, if you went missing and I had not heard from you in 12 hours, I would be calling the police. I would be calling everybody, your mother, my mother, my brother. Everybody would know. I would be like, everybody fly here right now and look for him. I call you if you're 30 minutes late from when you said you'd be home. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly. Just because I miss you. I know. I know. They're getting ready to bring this car around and, like, your butthole's clenched. I am immediately thinking, oh, my gosh, this thing is going to come around the corner and it's going to be inside out. Spoiler alert. The 
car is actually fine. It's in perfect shape. Like, nobody scratched it. Nobody dinged it on their way in. Like, it's in perfect condition. And we're like, huh, that doesn't bode well. Yeah, that's not going to last long. There's so much time left for that car to get messed up. They all drive off the lot and pull off the road. And they're trying to rally. They're trying to get their shit together because they got to find Doug and get back before tomorrow morning. All right, what the fuck, man? We got to get this shit together, guys. What was that? It's in the trunk. They freak out because they think they fi- they finally found Doug. Doug's been in the trunk this whole time in the impound lot. They open that trunk and a naked man jumps out of the trunk and starts beating Phil about the head with a crowbar. He launches out of that truck like a piece of toast. <laughs> oh! 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 This is Ken Jong, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Ken Jong. As the infamous Mr. Leslie Chow, we get no information on who he is before he just knocks them all out with the crowbar and he just takes off towards the city, running, dick swinging. He doesn't care. He is getting out of Dodge. Like Bugs Bunny, just you. <laughs> Don't you mean Roadrunner? Eh, you like your Looney Tunes your way, and I'll like them my way. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Now we have to talk about the terrible awful. We have to talk about the terrible awful that Alan did. Oh, my gosh. This is where Alan feels the need to make a confession. Guys, there's something I need to tell you. Last night on the roof, before we went out, I slipped something in our Jägermeister. What? I'm sorry, I fudged up, guys. You drugged us? In his defense, which oddly enough I have to say, he thought it was going to be ecstasy, which in another throwaway line, he says, I usually do three every night. (laughs) Three tabs of ecstasy? Yeah! Oh my god! So he thought these drugs were going to be good. It was absolutely an accident. And like, oh my god, Stu's losing his shit. The guy I bought it from seemed like he was a real straight shooter. I'm sorry. You mean the drug dealer at the liquor store wasn't a good guy? Let's just calm down. You fucking calm down! He drugged us! I lost a tooth! I married a whore! How dare you! She's a nice lady! Yes, Alan, yes! He's he's too good for this one. (laughs) He may not he may have drugged them with roofies, but at least he's not sex shaming. Yeah. So they're out of options. They gotta go back to the hotel and regroup. I love when they're standing outside trying to get back in, and all of a sudden they remember the tiger. The tiger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, there's a tiger in the room. I keep forgetting about that. They go into the suite, and I did you love this, or did yes, you love I this? Yes, I do, because you know I love myself some Phil Collins. In the Air Tonight is playing over the speakers, and Mike Tyson is here? Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. Listen, Mike Tyson, everyone in the world loves that part of the song. Like, it's not going to endear me. Yeah, he shushes them for the the drum solo. He's like, this is is my favorite part. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I know, I don't care either. But I also get it because I would do the same thing for that drum solo. That's fine, honey. You're not... (laughs) 
<laughs> You're not Mike Tyson. Thankfully. There's so many reasons not to like him. He's crazy dangerous in the ring. He bites people in a sport where you're supposed to use your hands. <laughs> not to mention he is a rapist. Uh, yeah. He was con- he was convicted of rape when the year I was born in Marion in County. In Indiana. Yeah, in Marion County. Yikes, Tyson. And I hate it. I just hate it when movies and TV shows, yeah, SVU, I'm looking at you too, when they put him in these things, like it's supposed to enhance what's going on. Like it's not a cute cameo. And he was also coked up the entire time. Really? He said in interviews. On set? Yes, he said in interviews, I was doing coke the whole time. Anytime you see me on camera, I am coked out of my mind. So I hate that we have to talk about it, but Mike Tyson is here. And he is the owner of the tiger. Surprise, surprise. He has the money for that. These roofied men somehow managed to steal Mike Tyson's tiger, and he's here to collect. They found Doug's jacket in the tiger cage, and it had the key card in it. That's how they got in. Aha. And, like, I don't even have time to get into how irresponsible it is to own big cats, but thanks to Tiger King, most of you probably have some idea. I think we're all idea. familiar at yeah. this point, yes. <laughs> I know this is asking a lot, but do you think that there's any way that we could go to your house and just look around, see if there's any clues for a friend? Absolutely. How else do you think we're going to get the tiger back anyway? Come on, champ. Well, I'm sorry? We're not going to put it in the Bentley. You brought it here, you bring it back. So now they have to somehow get this tiger back to Mike Tyson's place, or he's going to mess them up. So what they have to end up doing is put a bunch of roofies into this slab of uncooked steak and throw it in the bathroom and wait for the tiger to eat it and pass out. And while they're waiting for it to pass out, Stu is at the piano improvising a song about finding Doug. Don't you worry, pretty striped head. We're going to get you back to Tyson and your cozy tiger bed. And then we're going to find our best friend Doug. And then we're going to give him a best friend hug. We're gonna find a best friend, Doug, and then we're gonna give him a best friend hug. I lost it. It's so funny. This movie uses a lot of montages, but I think this is the best use of it. Fade cuts to them hugging Doug Uh and everything. Oh my god. So the tiger goes down. The best thing they can do is wrap it in a sheet and put it onto a luggage cart and push it through the hotel. Nothing to see here, just a tiger under a sheet. Like, never mind that it's an actual tiger. Like, it could be a body for all anybody knows. But they're in Vegas, so nobody bats an eye, of course. Nobody's asking enough questions! This family gets into the elevator and the dad's like, Hey, fellas. Rough night? Mm-hmm. Katie, sweetie, stay close to Mama. What's this? Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it easy, little man. Don't want to be touching that. No, Parker, that's not your property. So what do you guys get under there? Just a whole bunch of mind your own business. And I know the dad is thinking, that's it, that's it. They've killed a hooker in Vegas. That's what's happened here. And I better not ask any more questions. So they get their tiger into the car. (laughs) Which, we're getting there, folks. This car has a tiger in it. It's doomed to be destroyed now. They're driving to Mike Tyson's place, and they just have this, you know, casual conversation about Haley's Comet. It'll, is it going to be around? Alan, of course, is the one asking these questions. And slowly, behind them, you see this very fake <laughs> looking... It looks so fake! ...tiger head emerge from the back seat. <laughs> Oh, 
the tiger just starts fucking it up. He is swiping at everything. He claws, he claws Phil. He claws Phil in the shoulder, and that makes him, like, lose control of the car. <laughs> he slams into the side of that bus, and they just kind of spin off to the side of the road. They all jump out of the car, <laughs> and another clearly fake tiger paw bursts through the window. The tiger punched the glass oh out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't. And so they are forced to push it the final mile to Mike Tyson's house. House? You mean mansion. Mansion. Sorry, this is not a house. This is a villa. This is a gated mansion. How did these idiots get through here? How did they get through here? The power of alcohol. They had no faculties. How did they scale this fence and steal Mike Tyson's tiger? Actually, when they show up, Tyson does show them the security tapes of them taking the tiger, doesn't he? It's like, oh, thank God Doug's alive because he's in the video feed. Yeah, Doug's on the tapes, so that's another lead. As of the st- as of the tiger napping, Doug was still around. They are building their timeline, and as far as they are into it, he is still alive. <laughs> and that's there's some hope there. So they get back in the ruined Mercedes. It is just bananas how bad this tiger messed up that car. Torn to shreds. The interior is gone. It is foobar beyond all recognition. I I am not a car person by any stretch of the imagination, but I appreciate a pretty object. And Yeah, you could appreciate a classic car that's uh, been kept in good condition. Exactly. And it's just about to get worse because Alan is talking about how much Sid is going to freak out over the car being banged up. What am I going to tell my dad about this car? Alan, relax. It's just the inside. Come on. I got a guy in L.A. who's great with interior. And a car smashes into the side of the Mercedes. Funk! Just comes out of nowhere. They're almost decapitated by that adult. By the sign falling down. <laughs> Tearing through the roof like it's tissue paper. Oh my god, they almost lost their heads. To dust off a gem that I use at home whenever we watch movies and something bad happens to the characters, I'm dead. (laughs) Dead, 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 dead. This crash has killed so many other characters in movies. This exact crash. And they're fine. No, honey, I know. They're they're lucky entitled men. You, yes, you... but this is a comedy, not a not a tragedy. Dude, Mr. Chow is back. And he is suited up. Remember the naked guy who was trapped in the trunk? He is back in this big SUV with his goons, dressed to the nines. White leisure pants, turtleneck, black jacket. He looks like a crime boss. Is that what we're supposed to believe? The person they happen to kidnap on this drunken stupor night they're having happens to be a very powerful mob boss. I'm just assuming, I don't really know if he's a mob boss. I'm just assuming that's what we're supposed to think. He's got goons and guns. So I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Those are their prerequisites. I want my purse back, assholes. What? Your purse? That's not a purse, it's a satchel. It's a purse, okay? And you steal from wrong guy. Wait a second, wait a second. We stole from you? They have his blackjack winnings from the night before. And isn't this always how it happens? (laughs) He and Alan were carrying identical man satchels, or whatever the hell you want to call them. And Mr. Chow won $80,000 at the blackjack table, and then they accidentally switched bags, and they've been trying to hunt this guy down ever since. Who would have thought that would be a, a bookender? The thing is, Chow went after him to get his bag back, and Phil... Just thought it would be fun to just kidnap him. You said he was your lucky charm, and you want to take him home with you. 
<laughs> Lucky charm. Oh, it's just funny. <laughs> ah, fuck you. If you want to see your friend again, you get me my Eddie Grant. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Our friend. What you have friend? dog? You know something about our friend? What? And there's this guy in the back of the SUV with a black sack on his head, and they're like, oh my god, it's Doug! It's Doug! They've got Doug! He's alive! This is such a serious deal, but I love how Leslie gets back in the car, and he goes, Bring money to Big Rock in Mojave Desert at dawn. What? Toodaloo, motherfucker! Hey, That energy is, is why he became famous. <laughs> I laugh every time. I know. They go back to the villa. They can't find the satchel with the 80 grand worth of chips in it. They're trying to figure out what to do with it, and that's when Alan gets this brilliant idea. Remember that card counting book from the beginning of this movie? <laughs> Alan is reading a book about learning to count cards, which he points out is not illegal. It is only frowned upon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, we checked. It's not illegal. It is not. It's just very frowned upon. And like they will muscle you hard at casinos if they catch you counting cards. Especially if you make it obvious. Yeah, for real. And in my favorite sequence of this entire movie, we're going to have ourselves an Ocean's Eleven style heist scene where they are going to make some motherfucking fucking money. Like, that's the thing. This is a whole scheme. Yeah. They've all split up and pretended like they don't know each other, so it's less obvious that they're, quote, cheating. Yes. This this is very much a heist. (laughs) It's a heist right out from under their noses. They're not breaking into a vault. They're just gonna count cars, which, again, is not illegal, just frowned upon. Alright. Let's play some Black Jack. And that awesome song starts playing. It is a song called The Joker and the Thief by Wolf Mother. And it, this movie is the entire reason that I have this song on my playlist. <laughs> we all have those playlists, don't we? Just of songs that we heard in movies. In movies, yes. I love how like Alan has these algorithms and, and, and numeric formulas flying around his head. Yeah, this is where all the gifts of Zach Galifianakis with the math flying around his head come yeah. from. Yeah. I have in all capital letters, this is bull. Because there are no less than 1,500 cameras in any given Vegas casino, okay? And there is no way they would not have recognized these dudes from the night before and known they were together. They would have known something was up. Especially because Alan is very clearly moving his mouth and is is counting cards. (laughs) Yes! The pit bosses would obviously see that and then... (laughs) shut this whole thing down. Why do they call them pit bosses? I don't get that. Because the 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 gaming floor is called the pit. Oh. I think. <laughs> you think you're guessing. You but don't I'm going to say it confidently so the listeners believe me. <laughs> Before management gets wise to what they're doing, they manage to get out of there and escape into the night. Like, I shit you not, they have $400 more than what they need. But it's time for the meetup. So they go to this meetup, and this is where they're going to throw Mr. Chow the money, and Mr. Chow's going to give them Doug back. And I remember at this point looking at you and going, listen, I know what's become of Doug. So this is the only mystery left for me in this movie, is who was in the back of this car? Because I knew it wasn't Doug, and you were looking at me like, oh no, 
it's Doug. They throw his goons the money and they pull Doug out of the car with the bag on his head. And they take the bag off of his head. And surprise, it's not Doug it's at not all. It's not the Doug. It's not the, this is not the Doug the you're Doug. looking for. This is not the Doug you're looking for. Who the hell is this? That is not Doug. What are you talking about, Willis? That him. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Chow. That's not our friend. He, it's... <laughs> the Doug we're looking for is a white. Ah! I told you you had the wrong guy, little boy. Damn, Alan, what the fuck you got me into? Well, you know him? This is the guy that Alan bought the roofies from. Accidentally. Yeah, he mixed up the bags and gave him roofies instead of ecstasy. Don't worry, Doug is a a legitimate and actually a good drug dealer, but this is very much a mistake. (laughs) Don't want to slander his reputation as a drug dealer. Phil's so mad the way he goes, you gave us the wrong Doug! And Doug's like, no, come on, man, I'll be your Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Please, let me be your Doug. He doesn't want to go back with them. But Mr. Chow basically tells them to go fuck themselves and drives off with 80 grand and leave them with not their Doug. (laughs) It's appropriate that they are in the desert because they are high and dry. Like, for real. This is the point where the movie began, right? Where they're out of options and the wedding is that day. And this is where Phil gets on the phone with Tracy and starts to slowly tell her the news. While that phone call is happening... Stu, Alan, and not their Doug are standing <laughs> off to the side, reflecting on everything that's happening. I'm sorry, I, I love the, the not their Doug. <laughs> well, the movie calls him Black Doug. I'm not gonna call him. Thank that. you. And then like the and then I don't want to say other Doug. So not their Doug. It's it's accurate. It's correct. Let's do it. And this is where Stu has a big realization. Uh, not their Doug says something to the effect of. Why do they call them roofies? You're more likely to end up on the floor than the roof. Oh my gosh. This has to be the silliest aha moment that I could have possibly ever envisioned. Doug, what did you say before? I said groundies. No, before that, you said you're more likely to wind up on the floor than... Bill! Listen, Trace, I'm really sorry. Bill, hello? Tracy! It's Stu! Stu! Talk to me. What's going on? Uh, nothing. Don't listen to Phil. He's completely out of his mind. He's probably still drunk from last night. He's like, hey, no, Tracy, we'll be back later. Ha ha, we're going to meet you at the church. Bye. <laughs> Bye. He knows where Doug is. You remember when we saw Doug's mattress impaled on that statue? Yeah, it's because we threw it out the window. No, impossible. You can't open windows in Vegas hotels. Well, then how did it get... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Whoa, 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 what's going on? Doug was trying to signal someone. Holy shit! Yes! How, how did you figure that out? I, Doug made me realize it. Doug? Uh, not our Doug, Black Doug. Hey, hey, easy with that shit. Come on. They come to the conclusion that they dragged him out there in a drunken stupor, kind of parent trap style, right? Yeah. Remember when they send the stepmom afloat on yeah, a mattress? On the, on the floating mattress out into the middle of the lake? They wanted to drag him up there to the roof so he'd wake up on the roof. And when they came up here the first time for the drinking, they had to put a, a a rock or something in front of the door because once it closed, it locks. Yeah, so Doug got locked on the roof with no way to contact anybody. And they are in the middle of the desert. That's where Las Vegas is, and it is hot. <laughs> they find him, like, underneath this little lip 
in the in like trying to find the only shade shady he can. spot. <laughs> He's been up here for like thirty six hours at least, and he is dried out. He is oh my poor little dear. He is a piece of man jerky. <laughs> He's a piece of man jerky. They're trying to figure out how to get him home in time for the wedding. And they're loading up in this busted-ass Mercedes. And Stu sees Jade waiting to tell them goodbye. And here's the thing. Jade, these women... Unrealistic. It, this is it, The women in this movie are obviously written by a man. I'm glad we agree. Thank you. And, like, I just... She takes this so well. He's like, hey, I blew into your life and I married you. Um, can I have my ring back and also maybe not be married to you anymore? And maybe your phone number. Yeah, that's the thing! Hey, what are you doing next weekend? I don't know, working. Why? Well, because I was thinking maybe I'd come back and take you out to dinner or something. Really? Like a date? Yeah, like a date. Only one that uh, hopefully I'll remember. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> when they were looking at the photos of the wedding... Phil makes this obvious note that Stu looks a lot happier in these photos than he has ever looked with his current girlfriend. Melissa. With Melissa. Yeah, he's like, this woman is a stranger. He barely knows her, and he looks so much happier with her in these photos. Oh, we also solved the mystery of how he lost his tooth. He pulled it out himself. At least it was done by a professional. (laughs) (laughs) They are late to this wedding. But they show up, and they look pretty sharp (laughs) like unrealistically i did this in the car sharp (laughs) i've never done my makeup in the car carrie can you tell me how realistic that is i mean these guys aren't wearing makeup but yeah i've tried to do it in the car it doesn't look fabulous car prep is not prep no (laughs) and here's the thing alan's still got a black eye (laughs) oh my god i forgot about the black eye phil it looks worse than he ever has in his life Stu is has a missing tooth and he's gonna be in wedding photos and doug is red like a lobster from the exposure ay 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 i would be so mad at you if you showed up for our wedding photos looking like you came off a hot plate at red lobster like i looked like i was from the cast of jersey shore oh my god uh the wedding goes off without a hitch no one is getting in trouble for any of this yes You want to talk about the car or Melissa first? Let's start with Melissa. Oh my god. So the only person who's in trouble right now is Stu. Because he's been ignoring her calls, understandably, for the last 36 hours. Which is unfair because he is definitely taking the biggest brunt from this. (laughs) Alan may have gotten punched by Mike Tyson, but Stu got hit in the wallet. Hard. You know, sometimes I think all you want me to do is what you want me to do. I'm sick of doing what you want me to do all the time. I think in a healthy relationship, sometimes a guy should be able to do what he wants to do. is not how this works! Oh, good! Because whatever this is, ain't working for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Since when? Since you fucked that waiter on your cruise last June. Boom! You can see Phil sitting behind Melissa looking at him like, that a boy. That a boy. Like, you expect him to tear up. And he clearly does not get angry that often. I can relate. I am also not a person who goes off the handle when I'm angry all that often. So you can clearly see that he is not used to it because he calls her like, you're a a bad person. (laughs) (laughs) So he just breaks up with her right there in front of everybody. And it's fabulous. Oh, and remember the car that they totally totaled. Ah, yes. He, like, he goes and sits down in front of Sid, Doug does, and he's like, listen, Sid, about the car. Tracy told you. I told her not to tell you. I wanted to tell you. 
Tell me what, Sid? The Mercedes. It is a wedding gift from Linda and I. They ruined that beautiful car. And Doug just starts laughing like a <laughs> madman. Because that was the last thing he put, could have possibly gotten in trouble for. And he is off scot-free. I hate it. Don't he's, you hate it? He's down a nice car. None of these guys are going to face actual consequences for all of the chaos they caused. And so there's like some syrupy stuff here at the end about, you know, like Doug's like, thanks for giving me such a wild bachelor party, guys, even though you abandoned me on a roof for like three days. (laughs) Like, I would never talk to these guys again. It's so true. I'm like, never, never. They they did. They put him up there as a joke and then forgot where they put him. Just a prank, bro. Just a prank. This is where Alan interrupts them to tell them that he found Stu's digital camera in the back of the car. They're like, we're going to look at these photos one time. Only once. And then we're going to delete the evidence forever. I say we delete it right now. Are you nuts? I want to find out how I wound up in the hospital. Is that in there? Yeah, it's in there. (laughs) Guys, one time. Deal? Deal. Deal. Okay. And guys... Oh, dear Lord. That's classic. This is the credit sequence. It's just a series of photos from the night they don't remember. Like all of these out of context moments. Which one's your favorite? Oh, my favorite is the one of Alan swimming in the Caesar's Palace fountain. That's my favorite one too. (laughs) He's just, he looks so happy. I mean, hey, if I was in Vegas and had nothing to lose, I would absolutely (laughs) do the same thing. You would bathe in the Caesar's Palace fountain? I mean, probably not, you know me. (laughs) All right, guys, that's it. That's it. That is The Hangover. You know, having talked about this movie, I was going into this thinking I was going to rewatch this movie that I didn't really like in the first place. And now that we've talked through it, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than I remembered. Uh, and this because I got to talk about it with you. I know. I See, that's one of the only good things about this podcast is that movies I don't like have some context I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is one to add to the pile because I just, I didn't like this the second time around. There's an awful lot of, you know, latent racism, homophobia. Yeah. The women are treated like props. It hasn't aged well, but I could see why this became such a phenomenon. Uh, it's just so awful because once you know what happened to Doug, is, is the stakes are not high anymore. Yeah, it's true. And it's just not as enjoyable as it is that first time. And then all you can focus on are the things that are that you shouldn't like. Which is probably why they made the sequels to play off of that formula. Oh my god, but the sequels are worse. They are not the that great. The sequels are so much worse. All right, guys, that's it for this week. We did it. I did my first episode. (laughs) Are you excited? I had a really good time. I'm glad to have been brought on. It was a lot of fun. But, like, we were going to have you on in May, and then uh, it just turned out that Rasa fell ill, and uh, you were able to come on and help us. So thank you very much, honey. It was my pleasure. I had a great time. (laughs) But don't worry. I intend to be back. 
question mark? Oh, yeah. It depends on how Ross is feeling at the end of this week. You, you might have to come back for our next selection. So uh, what's happening next week? So, guys, next week, uh, I kind of want to revisit Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Oh, this is very much from that same era. So look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. See? That's how you do it. That, he does it offbeat every single time. It bothers me, and I'm glad I had a chance to come on here and fix it. It's like a cheerleader cheer. S-T-R-E-A-M. Kick and stream. See? It writes itself. Oh, my God. All right. And then you can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then. I'm Carrie. I'm not Ross. <laughs> and as always, sorry, sorry Mom. <laughs> good job. That was Thank good. You. That was good.